Good morning, church. Into faith I go. It is my prayer that this message, this service will lead you into faith. If you've left your faith, struggling in your faith, that your faith will be restored. Now, we are wrapping up a series here called Psalms of Ascent, and it's been a wonderful series looking at the traveling that the pilgrims of Israel did on their way to Jerusalem to worship God. Last week, Trevor and Chad did a wonderful job preaching. Today, Chad has done a wonderful job preaching over in the sanctuary. I I got several uh, staff afterwards who, who are normally in here, who I thought were in here, and I, I was going to get a little critique from my message, and I said, well, what'd you think? Well, we heard Chad today, you know. So, okay, that's cool. Then I get a text from our bishop, Bishop Holston, who worships with us online and said, hey, hey, Jeff, great service today, great worship, and Chad did really good. I'm going, okay, okay. So anyway, so, so if you don't get a chance to uh, hear all of me, make sure you listen to Chad online. He's doing a great job. Would you stand as we read together the Word of God? Psalm 126. I'm reading from the message paraphrase version this morning. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Father God, we want to shout with joy today in our hearts for your goodness and for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And I pray that as you speak to us today, that we would glorify you in what we do and what we say. We would honor you, Father God. Lord, lead us into faith as we go through this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Now, this last psalm, Psalm 126, is both a song of lament, sadness, but also a song of joy. These Israelites are lamenting 70 years of exile, 70 years of struggling in a foreign land. But now there is a growing confidence in God's deliverance, in God's sovereignty, in God's provision. Tears of lament have led to tears of joy. Repentance has led to restoration. Now in their lamenting, they would be aware that it was the bad choices of their parents and their grandparents that led them into exile. Now as I read this psalm, and I think about the unique time that we find ourselves in right now, as a, as a civilization, as a country, as a church, in the midst of 
COVID-19, I feel like we are in exile. I'm grateful and thankful to have folks here with us this morning in person. And I would tell you that those who are watching online, we're grateful to have you with us as well. It's going to feel much more wonderful and exciting when all of us can come back together and be worshiping in person together. There will be joy. There will be songs in our heart. Now, as I talk here this morning, and I can't see your lips move, I can't see your joy, I want you to give me some expression like this right here, okay? If you're with me, give me some expression, right? And if you're really with me, give me this right here, you know? And hey, if the Lord moves, you can just stand up and dance right where you're at, right? I see these guys in the front row. They're ready to break loose, break loose. As I think about the uniqueness of this time, I feel like there are parts of the church, the global church, the church in the West, the church in Europe, that is headed into exile, that are straying away from maybe some of the teachings and God's bringing some sense of judgment upon the church. How quick we can stray from his truth. And here's my real concern this morning that we will take a hard look at ourselves, parents and grandparents, that we are not going to make decisions about faith, about life, They're going to lead our children and our grandchildren into exile. That we will not be the people that cause that to happen for them. I want us to walk in the fullness of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, so that we can lead our children into places of peace and even prosperity. Now, as we read about the joy of these pilgrims that are traveling to Jerusalem, can you agree with me that right now more than ever, we need the joy of the Lord? We need the joy of the Lord. Living in a land of anger, living in a land of fear, living in a a land of confusion, there's a void of joy in our world. And yet we have a God who wants to give us joy. And our choices will determine how much joy we have in our lives. Eugene Peterson writes about our dependence upon the entertainment world for our joy. That we look to Hollywood for joy. We look to jokes and comedians and stories and songs and plays and movies to bring us joy. Now, I love a good story. I love a good, clean comedian. In fact, last night, Lynn and I were listening again to Jeff Foxworthy, who I think is a very funny comedian, talking about his experience with kidney stones. Now, anybody here in the room ever had any kidney stones? Come on, raise your hand now. Don't be bashful with that. That's, that's, that's a badge of honor, right? Kidney stones. I've had a bunch of them. I've had four lipotripsies and some other stuff done. And I'm so thankful for my doctor who has now got me on a, a healthier regimen and, and, and helping prevent kidney stones. And I've not had any for a while. But as, but as I was listening to Jeff Foxworthy talk about his first encounter with a kidney stone, it brought me a little bit of laughter. It brought me a little some entertainment. Nothing wrong with some good entertainment. We need a little, little more laughter right now, right? 
She talks about being in the tire store, right? In the tire store, buying some tires. Whenever he said, Chuck Norris kicked me in the back, right there. He says, and I let forth a, a yell that wasn't very masculine. And a few seconds later, Chuck Norris kicked me in the back again. And he says, and, and, and LeWayne, who was checking me out at the counter at the tire store, said, uh, you know, I'm no doctor, but I think you're having a kidney stone attack. And then Jeff Foxworthy said to himself, you know, Jeff, you got a little bit of money. Why don't you go get a second opinion? And he went on and described the kidney stone. If you've had the kidney stone, you know what I'm talking about. It's funny. It's lamenting. It's sad. It's painful. It can be kind of funny, though. He said that the kidney stone, calling it a stone does it a great disservice because when you think of a stone, right, you think of a smooth little mountain rock, you know. But in reality, a kidney stone is a ninja, ninja Death Star, right? And, and he described it this way. It's like a porcupine going backwards out of a water hose. It is not much fun to have a kidney stone. You know, I like funny stories. I enjoy videos. In fact, I had to get more iPhone storage on my phone because I had too many videos. Uh, too many concerts that we, Lynn and I had attended that we just wanted to save the music because it brought us some enjoyment but, but friends, our real joy doesn't come from entertainment. In fact, Peterson goes on to say, the enormous entertainment industry in America is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. We are a society that hires court jesters, court jesters to divert our attention after an overindulgent meal. But the effects are only temporary, a few minutes, a few hours, a day, Real joy, biblical joy, the joy of the Lord cannot be commanded. It cannot be purchased. It cannot be arranged. The joy of the Lord is a gift from God. Somebody say amen to that. Biblical joy defined. Let me define it for you. This is a definition I worked on. It's, it's, it's a compilation of several ideas, but for me it works. Joy is a sure confidence in God that transcends blessings or difficulties because your life is based upon a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Despite difficulties, despite blessings, you walk in a sense of joy because you have a sure confidence in God. I love what Rick Warren says. His joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Somebody say amen to that. COVID-19, it's going to be all right. No matter how bad this world gets, it's going to be all right because my God is in control of the details of my life. And the determined choice then is to praise God in every situation. Brings joy. The joy of the Lord is to be determined to praise God in every situation. My friends, joy is not an emotion. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is an attitude of the soul. And it's a gift from God. Greg Forster, in his book, Joy for the World, defines joy as a state of flourishing in mind, heart, and life that Christians experience by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is through the power of God's Holy Spirit inside of us that brings us joy. I love what uh, Jesus said in John 15, 11 to the disciples. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with, 
Say it with me. My joy. See, I can't give you joy, but Jesus can. So that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The joy of the Lord. Anybody need some joy of the Lord? In this day and age, we need joy, the joy of the Lord. And that's what these pilgrims are singing about. They were singing in Psalm 126 about the joy of the Lord, the joy that's found in God's creation, the joy that's found in deliverance, the joy that's found in salvation, the joy that's found in restoration, the joy of answered prayer, the joy of God's provision, the joy of family, the joy of service, the joy of God's glory, joy in eternal hope. How can we come to a funeral service and find joy? Because we have the joy of the Lord of eternal hope. The joy of the Lord is when the Lord is being given glory. When God's people bring him glory and honor, then the Lord is full of joy. Isn't that great? There's a connection between us giving God glory and the joy of the Lord. God wants us to be full of joy. But my friends, this joy can be lost when we move away from obedience that Chad talked about last week. When we chase the culture, when we cave into the culture, when we begin to follow false gods, we can lose our joy. The joy can be replaced with sorrow, sadness, suffering, and the emptiness of sin. Joy Replaced. Joy replaced. I think I need to go back to this other microphone. It's sounding like a helicopter in here. There we go. Joy replaced. You know, let, me, let me give you the backstory of what's happening here in Psalm 126. The children of Israel are returning from exile. Now, whenever Moses led them out of captivity in Egypt, And because of their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then Moses passes the mantle to to Joshua. And Joshua leads the people into the promised land. And for two generations, they experienced the joy of the Lord. They experienced the blessings of the Lord for two generations. Now, in biblical terms, a generation is 50 years. So for 100 years, they experienced the joy of the Lord. But it says in the scripture that in the third generation, the Israelites begin to chase other gods and begin to worship idols and begin to disobey the Lord. They begin to defile the promised land. They begin to lose their joy in the third generation. Their joy was replaced I want to read to you from Ezekiel 36 that gives a description of what was going on in that third generation. God's message came to me, son of man, when the people of Israel lived in their land, they polluted it by the way they lived. Now, as we look right now at the way we live Are we living in a way that pollutes the land we live in? I poured out my anger on them because of the polluted blood they poured out on the ground. And so I got thoroughly angry with them. 
polluting the country with their wanton murders and dirty gods. I kicked them out, exiled them to other countries. I sentenced them according to how they had lived. And wherever they went, they gave me a bad name. People said, these are God's people, but they got kicked off of his land. I suffered much pain over my holy reputation, which people of Israel blackened in every country they entered. They began to defile the land in which they lived in in the third generation, 150 years, 135 years. In the midst of the third generation, they began to wander away from the God who had blessed them and they lost the joy of the Lord and they were put into exile into Babylon. But you know, even in exile, God doesn't forget his people. I I was sharing uh, with the men's prayer breakfast on Friday morning that God doesn't forget us in exile. God doesn't forget his people. He doesn't forget you. If you're in exile right now from God and you're living apart from God, he hasn't forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are. He's searching for you. He's, he's wanting you to search for him. He's already found you. He's wanting you to come back to him. But I love what Jeremiah 29 said, a great chapter. Reading again from the message paraphrase. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies say. The God of Israel says to all the captivities, all the captives he is exiled into Babylon from Jerusalem. So they got some instructions. Exiles got instructions. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens. Eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so they may have grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare welfare will determine your welfare. My friends, We are to pray for peace and prosperity in the land we live in, even the land of exile. We are to make, be a blessing. See, God made a covenant with a people called Israel so they could be a blessing to other lands. And now they find themselves in exile and God still expecting them to be a blessing, to pray for peace and to pray for prosperity. Now, let's fast forward all of this and bring it into modern sense. Let's look at the birth of the church that happened following the resurrection of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And the church was born. The church began to explode all over the Middle East and expanded into Europe. And it expanded so much that in 326 AD, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. It had impacted the entire Roman culture. But as cultures will go, as just as Israel went after the second century, the second generation, Rome began to fall away from any Christian values whatsoever. And in the third generation in 426 or 476, Rome imploded and Rome came apart. But you know what? Rome fell apart, but not the church didn't fall apart. Why? Because the church wasn't founded by the Roman Empire. The church was founded by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ made this statement that not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. Now let's fast forward to 1776. Whenever this country was founded. Now we can have a debate whether or not this Christian, this country was founded on Christian values or not. Whether they were deists or whether they were Christians. But I I do know this. 
that our country was founded, this country that you and I live in as citizens, was founded on religious freedom. That's why the, the folks left England because they wanted religious freedom. They wanted to worship freely the God that they loved and the God they wanted to serve. And now guess what, friends? We're in the fifth generation. It's been five generations, biblical generations, since this country was founded on freedom of religion. And I believe that more and more Christianity is being pushed to the fringes. And more and more, I feel like I'm living in a land of exile as a Christian in this country as I fight for religious freedoms, to state what I believe without offending somebody, to state what I believe about Jesus Christ without feeling I'm going to be judged and condemned. It's a dilemma that we live in a democracy. I agree with that. But, but just pay attention to the, the history of the generations. But let me give you one other number that gives me great hope, that even brings me great joy. That if I go back and look at the generations, biblical generations, and the church was founded when Jesus Christ resurrected through the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, guess how many generations it's been now? 40 generations. 40 generations that God has had a people called the church. Amen? 40 generations and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And no matter what happens to this civilization that we live in, this country that we're blessed to live in, that no matter what happens, that there's going to be a church, right? There's going to be a people of God and we are not in exile from that. You are not in exile from God's people if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. These people that were in exile began to look over their shoulder as Brett sang and they remembered God's faithfulness. My friends, I want you to remember God's faithfulness, that God has not forgotten you, that God did not forget his people. They began to remember that God had rescued them from 700 years of slavery, that God parted the Red Sea, that God brought them into the promised land. They began to remember all that God had done for them and their joy began to be restored. As Christians, how do we remember? I look forward to the day in which we can come back together and celebrate Holy Communion. Because in Holy Communion, we remember and it brings us joy because of what Jesus Christ did for us. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven people. Amen? I miss communion. I miss communion with you. But when I think about it, it brings me joy. I miss holy baptism. We've got about 25 people waiting on baptism. We're going to be baptized as soon as we can get through all this COVID-19 stuff. We come together and sing these great hymns to remember God's faithfulness, to remember God's provision, to remember God's protection. These Israelites woke up. I used woke again. Got woke. They got woken, right? They realized and remembered that God had been faithful to them and they repented and they were restored. And then these words from the psalm, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. Their joy was restored. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. If you feel like you're in exile today, your joy can be restored. Here's what Ezekiel prophesied in verse 24 of chapter 36. For here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out of these countries gather you from all over, bring you back into your own land. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. Somebody say amen to that. I want a God heart that's, that's God-willed and not self-willed. 
I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. I need the Holy Spirit to live the way God wants me to live. You and I cannot live and keep his commands without the Holy Spirit. Once again, you'll live in the land I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. Thank you, Lord, right? You'll be my people and I'll be your God. Paul said it this way, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace and faith so that you may overflow with hope. By how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the joy of the Lord. It's not manufactured. It's not mustard. It can't be bought. It can't be purchased. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, one last word from Ezekiel. This is a convicting word for me and a convicting word for you. Therefore, tell Israel, message of God, the master, I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for you, Israel. I'm doing it for me to save my character, my holy name, which you've blackened in every country where you've gone. I'm going to put my great and holy name on display, the name that has been ruined in so many countries. I don't want this land we live in to ruin the name of God. I don't want God's reputation to be ruined by anything that I do or we do. He goes on to say, then the nations will realize who I really am, that I am God when I show my holiness through you, through you. See, God's going to show his holiness through you. And people will see God's holiness in you and they can see with their own eyes. You see, I believe the joy of the Lord comes when the reputation of the Lord is restored. Amen. The joy of the Lord comes when the reputation of the Lord is restored. And there's a lot of people in our world today, in this country today, this land we live in, who do not believe in the reputation of God. And how does that come back? It's when you and I live in the joy of the Lord and we help restore the holiness of God by restoring the reputation of God in each of us. You know, my friends, joy is a choice. You and I make a choice every day to live in the holiness of God. And if we live in the holiness of God, we will have the joy of the Lord. Joy is confidence, confidence that God's got this, that God's in this, that God's with us, and that his church is going to last. His church is going to make it. And then hear this church, joy is contagious. It's contagious. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. And they said, yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. Don't you want people to notice the Lord? Don't you want people to notice God? How are they going to notice him? Because they're going to see his holiness in you and me. And they're going to see within us the joy of the Lord. The church is struggling today because we are not demonstrating the joy of the Lord. Again, Greg Forster, a PhD from Yale, wrote this book called Joy for the Lord. And he said this, Christianity is losing its influence in America because God's people have lost their joy. God's people are not living in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is what makes the church distinct. The supernatural joy of the Holy Spirit that is to be released and shared with the world. Now, as I look across the room here today, Everyone's wearing a mask. Why? Because none of us want to be contagious. None of us want to give COVID-19 to anybody else. 
And that's a good thing. But here's a bad thing. As Christians, we're masking our joy because we're distracted by the troubles of the world and disconnected from our God-given purpose. But my friends, we got to take off the mask when it comes to masking our joy. The world now more than ever needs to see the joy of the Lord. Our mouths were filled with laughter and we sang with joy. Church, the world needs to see the joy of the Lord. The world needs to see that our faith is real, that our God is real. And when that happens, my friends, not only will joy be released, but joy will reign. The joy of the Lord will reign. Now in closing this morning, one of the great Christmas songs of all time is Joy to the World. Isaac Watts wrote that as a poem, not as a Christmas carol. He wrote it about Psalm 98, declaring the sovereignty and the majesty of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ had brought joy to the world so the world could know the joy of the Lord. Later on, it became a Christmas carol that we sing every Christmas. Joy to the world. But why did Jesus Christ bring joy to the world? So we could be joy for the world. We need Christians. We need believers. We need churches to be the joy of the Lord for the world. Somebody say amen to that. And how's that going to happen in closing? As this great poem says, as the great carol says, let every heart prepare him room. We've got to make room in our heart for almighty God. We got to make room in our heart for the holiness of God. We got to make room in our hearts for the joy of the Lord. It begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When David in Psalm 51 had been confronted with his sins, he's cried out, Oh God, create in me a clean heart. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And what? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Today, if you need to pray that prayer, God will restore to you joy. He will take away your sins and give you new life. He goes on to say in that great song, let men their songs employ. Joy's got to be shared, friends, through worship, through witness. Let earth receive her king, the one true king, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Let his blessings flow. We are blessed, as Bryce prayed, to be a blessing. Bless people with joy, my friends. Bless them with joy this week. And it says in closing, he rules the world with truth and grace. No matter what goes on in this world, my friends, he rules the world with truth and grace. And we are to be his messengers of truth and grace. Don't be afraid of speaking truth for Jesus Christ. It's when we stop speaking truth is we start losing our joy. Now speak it with grace. Speak it with love. Speak it with mercy. But don't back away from the truth. That's what happened in the third generation in Israel. That's what happened in 476 in the Roman Empire. And I'm afraid that's what's happening right now in this country. We're afraid to speak the truth. Truth and grace he rules with. I want to live in a world 
where Jesus Christ rules and reigns with truth and grace. Amen? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I thank you that this morning that Jesus Christ rules and that right now we can be born again. Right now we can be again in the joy of the Lord. Right now we can become joy for the world. We can restore the joy of the Lord and, and, and be a part of restoring the reputation, Father, that you have in this world. Forgive us for, for tarnishing your reputation. And Father God, may you be restored in us so the people will give you glory. Father, right now, if there's anyone that needs to, wants to invite Jesus to make room in their heart, that you're knocking on the door of the heart, if they will open the door of the heart, you will come in to be with them and you will forgive them and cleanse them and bring them joy. Father God, help us to go from here today and be joy for the world as we sing, as we praise you in the mountains. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Let's stand and worship together.